I used to just go then, it's magic, it's clean, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not that hopeless. Um, so today, we're, we're finishing up our series on generosity. And even though that looks a little bit in your face, this is not what you expect it to be. I'm actually doing a topical Bible study on money from the Bible because it is just so fascinating some of the truth that we get from Scripture when we look at some of the currencies, some of the stories associated with money. So we're over the giving side of it. It's more of a case of what does the money tell us? You know, who believes that the Word of God's inspired? Three people. Thank you, Mum, for coming. Uh, who believes the Word of God's inspired? Okay, so there's meaning here, and I want to just show you some of that meaning as we go through. So it's quite different. You will not get this anywhere else in the world. For that you may be grateful, for that you may say, Dear Jesus, why did you send me here? Um, I, I so wanted today to be able to give out a widow's mite. You can actually buy a widow's mite on the internet. They vary from about $50 to about uh, $800, depending on how good a condition they are. But there's, there's literally there's hundreds of them. And I try to fly one in from Japan and I've done all sorts of things because I am absolutely fascinated by the fact that unlike any other religion in the world, I could put something in your hand. I'm going to get you one, but I'm fascinated by the sort. I could put something in your hand that you could hold that potentially was the same coin that we read about in Mark chapter 12 and in Luke's gospel. Potentially, it was the same coin that Jesus saw drop into an offering box 2,000 years ago. You can actually literally hold biblical history in your hands. And you can actually get uh, widow's mites. And I, I, it, it grates on me a bit, but you can actually get widow's mites now made up into jewellery. You know, so you can get nice little earrings with a widow's mite. And nice, oh, I, I don't know if I really like that idea. But the fact you could hold history and know that this is for real, I think was something that uh, it, it could be very useful. So where we're going is, next slide, thank you. So the Imago Day. turn to your neighbour and say, Imago Day. So you've just learned an incredible concept in Latin theology. It simply remains the image of God. Mark chapter 12, verses 13 to 17, talks about this amazing story, the Imago Day. And so, who do I pick on today to read for me? <laughs> the story goes like this. I'll be kind. Everybody seems to get very nervous now. Every time he opens up that Bible, should I have brought my glasses to church today? <laughs> it is a problem, isn't it, when you get to my age? So, Mark chapter 12 verses 13 to 17 later the leaders i'm reading from the new living translation later the leaders sent some pharisees and some porters of herod to trap jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested hypocrites They're trying to snare him aren't they teacher they said you know this is the uh, you know the rub up you know we know how honest you are and you're impartial and you don't play favorites you teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they think 
They've got him hooked on the horns of a dilemma. If he answers one way, the Roman soldiers will take him off and kill him because he's just said, God has told me that you're not allowed to pay taxes. Wouldn't you love that if I was a prophet of God today? And I said, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not pay taxes. <laughs> It'd be a problem, wouldn't it? And the other side of the horns of the dilemma, of course, is that he would upset the Jews who are seeing Jesus then supporting the pagan uh, emperor. So Jesus, of course, is God, is genius. Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I will tell you. And when they handed it to him, he asked this question, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Now, it's just not only the picture, it's also the picture and the... Oh, thank you. Someone was listening. It's the picture and the title. Well, then, uh, they replied, it's Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And his reply completely amazed them. This was draw jaw-dropping draw, jaw stuff. This was, wow, wow, this guy really has answered so well. And so here we have this amazing setup. They've tried to catch Jesus out. They've asked him this trick question. And uh, Jesus says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So I want to just go to the next slide now, thank you, the image of day. So God created human beings. We go right back to Genesis now. Very quickly, going to start a quick foundation. God created human beings in the image of himself. Male and female, he created them as one. There's something about a man and a woman in covenant relationship under God in paradise that tells you what God's like, tells you what love's like, tells you what's unity like, tells you a lot about it. It's the image of God. So there we go. New Living Translation. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created We are meant to be image bearers of God. Okay? Next slide. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, because of sin, we have then fallen into the process of instead of worshipping the creator, we now want to worship the created. And so this is called idolatry. That's the religious word for it. Paul describes the descent of sin. You know, sin will put you on a pathway that takes you lower and then lower, dark, and it, it doesn't take you to good things. And this is the descent. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead, worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. We're seeing more and more people there who are losing identity and taking up false identities as animals, as birds, as mammals and reptiles. Next slide. Thank you. Money talks. Let's have a look at some of the money. 
First, next slide, thank you. So, again, this is just a re- reference back to our key text today. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Now, we don't quite capture it in our English translations. Most of your English Bibles will use the word give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give unto God the things that are God's. But the word to give here is apododimai, which means to actually pay a debt. It's not actually to give. Giving has a sense of, I'm being nice to Chris, and I'm going to give it to Chris, and Chris is going to take it. No, the word's more like, I owe Chris something, and I'm giving him what I've owed him. You know, I, I borrowed 10 bucks off him last week. You remember, don't you? You do. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and now, when he comes to me and says, give me my $10, I'm not giving him $10, am I? I'm giving him what I owe. I'm paying him what he's owed because he has a legal right for it. So when um, Jesus responds to the scribes and the Pharisees and these friends of Herod, says, you know, render to Caesar, it says, pay Caesar what Caesar's, but then pay to God what's God's. So my big idea today is, who do you belong to? And do you belong to God totally? Or do you only give a little bit of yourself to God? Have you come to that revelation that you can't compartmentalize Jesus? I'll have one dollar's worth of Jesus, please. Enough to give me some fire insurance? Can I have one dollar worth of Jesus? Enough to get me out of hell? Can I have one dollar's worth of Jesus? Enough to, you know, a bit like sugar in your coffee. Life's okay, but let's just stir it a little. Or have you come to that understanding that you actually do? Body, soul, spirit, dreams, bucket list, car, house, bank account. It all belongs to... And do you give it to God or do you owe it to God? It's a big idea, really big idea. And so next slide, thank you. So this is the widow's mile. I tried to buy one of these today. The, the specimen shot in the top corner is a very good specimen. Some, they just look like a stone that someone's picked up. They've been used so often. But the widow's mite, the lepton, turn to your neighbor and say lepton. When it's got anything to do with tea? No, that's... It was a very small coin. It was made out of bronze, which is a soft metal. So, it, you know, it rubs you lose its definition pretty quickly. This coin was minted almost a 100 years before Jesus was born, but because coins were durable, remained it remained in circulation for generations. And today, every one of us could actually still get a widow's mite if we wanted to go do the eBay thing. Uh, on it, you can see, if you're a Hebrew scholar, Hebrew writing on the edge, it would have been unintelligible to most people who had that coin in their hand. They wouldn't be able to read it but they'd know it was Hebrew. And they would have recognized it as Hebrew and understood the nationalistic message of hope, liberation, restoration to the glories of long ago. Of long ago, excuse me. The two grain ears, you see the little furry thing in the middle of one of them? Indicate agricultural abundance, a hope of restoration, and a reception of God's covenant blessings. The lily, the one on the extreme right, 
Yes, you're right. Excuse my back. Uh, it was a symbol of the temple at Jerusalem and therefore a symbol for Jerusalem itself. So every time someone picked up what's less than, less than a cent in that thing, there's a message on that coin, isn't there? And the message is, we're Hebrews. The message is Jerusalem. The message is, look at the fruitfulness and the abundance that comes out of God's people being connected to Jerusalem. So it's, it's an incredible piece of archaeology, of history. It's tangible. Next slide. The denarius is more normally identified as the tribute penny that we've just read in Mark chapter 12, uh, just slightly earlier. So you've got two stories of coins in Mark. You've got, the coin, you've got this coin story. Then after that, there's another coin story directly after each other, one after the other. So this is the tribute penny is discussed uh, by Jesus. So on the top of the obverse, so in coin language, anybody into numistics here? Numeristics, numerology, numistics? The top of a coin is called the obverse and the other side is called the reverse, you see? Uh, Tiberius claims to be the son of the divine emperor Augustus, while on the back he stresses the fact that he's the greatest priest. The Pontiff Maximus. That's written on that coin. Remember, not only the picture, but the titles. The reverse also features his mother, Livia, posing as if she was the goddess of peace, Pax Roma, Pax, all this being proclaimed by this very common coin as a temple tax around the same time that the highest priest, the Prince of Peace, the only Son of God, was actually walking the earth. Fascinating. Next slide. So this one here is Emperor Nero. Now, Nero was not a nice guy. Uh, Nero, uh, many years ago, in fact, 1987, who was born before 1987? Oh, have I gotten old somewhere? (laughs) Somewhere. 1987, my wife and I and my mother-in-law had the pain and the privilege of travelling through Europe with no money and I'm still in counselling <laughs> one of my wasn't, one, it wasn't one of my best experiences in life so tip for you, if you want to travel to Europe take some money and leave your mother-in-law <clears throat> bless her bless her, although it's just she's nice, she's nice, she's just difficult, it's like mum, do you need a toilet? No, 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 I don't need a toilet. Are you sure you don't need a toilet? Because there's one right there now. And if you want to go, go now. No, 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 I don't need a toilet. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes later, in the queue, ready to get onto the train or whatever, I think I needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> Those sorts of things that are really good for teaching pastor Mike patience. Nero. But in Rome, I got to see on a tour the Circus Maximus. You could all go there and sit today. We know that 2,000 years ago, Emperor Nero, when he wanted to actually have night chariot races, would take Christians out of the jail, pour pitch on them, tar, tie them to posts and light them on fire to use while he could have his horse race. He not a nice man. Really, really unpleasant. He was probably insane towards the end because of lead poisoning, because he would uh, drink copious amounts and lead would come in. But um, 
Now, in this particular coin, on the, the, the Visigoths and the Goths and all the, all the Germanic tribes are beginning to push in on the western boundaries of the Roman Empire. At that time, Titus has gone down and conquered Jerusalem. So what he's done is struck a coin actually celebrating the defeat of Jerusalem. Okay? So that's his image on one side. Caesar Augustus, son of God, that's what it says. And on the other side, it's actually a picture of, it's a bit hard to see, of a Jewish man who's now chained, going off into slavery. The palm tree represents Jerusalem, you know, because that's where they grow palm trees. And the other one is a woman in mourning. Could you imagine the effect it would be if every time you picked up your $10 note or your $20 note, it was full of the obscene, the vulgar, the demonic, it would have incredible impact. Because what's going on is in the olden days, back when Mike was a boy and dinosaurs were on the earth, if you wanted to communicate a message and you're in sort of like in Rome, how do you communicate to an empire? How do you do that? There's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. There's no newspaper. There's no television. In fact, the only way you could really send a message that you know that would last from your capital to the very edges of your empire, in fact, even beyond that, was through your coins. You couldn't get much of a message on a coin, but you could put your propaganda, you could put your statement on a coin and you would know that people would care for it and would go from one person to the next person to the next person. We are seeing here ancient propaganda. He's actually being invaded on one border, so he strikes the saying, well, guess what? I have just brought about a great victory somewhere else and look what happened to those people. So, you know, really, uh, it's hard for us to estimate the significance of that sort of image. Now, do I have permission to mess with your heads just a little bit for two minutes? Um, I know some people get very excited about uh, the doctrine of last day's things. But let me just give you perhaps another way to think about it. Next slide. Mark of the Beast, Revelations chapter 13, talks about how this beast will rise up and on its heads will be many blasphemies. Maybe if you were a person living in the first century and you read that text, maybe you're not so much thinking about the creature that some Seventh-day Adventist artist might have done at the back here. Maybe you would be thinking about this coin here that declares this person to be the saviour of the world, the one who brings peace, the one who brings hope. With, um, see Salvus underneath, S-A-V, that's a U, Salvus, the God of salvation. Wonder how you'd feel if you're a believer and a Christian that every time you picked up a piece of money, on it it's got Caesar, that is the uh, Romanized form for Lord, Kyrios, Kaiser, same word, Soteria, Salve, Saviour. You've got a coin in your hand. The thing you've got to use to buy and to sell, to get your food, 
to pay your taxes, that coin has blasphemy on it that you couldn't do it any better. Stamped on an image, stamped with a title, declaring this is the way of salvation, this is the way of hope, this is the way of victory. It's just another way of looking at Revelation 13. You might get me to teach on Revelations one day. This is um, quite a hard, rare coin now to find the next one. So you can probably just see a face on one side and you see this like horsey thing. It's actually a bull on the other side and it's very hard to see the letters on the side but under a microscope the experts can actually again say that this coin says uh, Caesar Augustus son of God again this is for a Christian to touch that for a Jew hear Israel the Lord thy God is one God you shall have no other God beside this Lord your God Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 you shall have no graven image nor false representation of the one true God you can't buy and sell without touching a graven image You can't function in the world without dealing with graven, idolatrous, blasphemous coinage. Changes the way you look at money, doesn't it? I actually started to go through through some of our Australian currency and uh, some of them, some great Christian stories behind some of our Australian currency. Uh, Some have lived really great lives. Uh, The final slide, thank you. Somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Although it won't be long, the countdown is getting lower every day. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The moon has no glory of itself. It only has what's known as reflected glory. So on a dark night, we can be very grateful to have a full moon. In the darkest night, we can chart our way if we have a full moon. If we have a moon that's able to capture the fullness of the sun, boy, it can be like so bright, can't it? If you remember an amazing full moon and just think, oh, wow, you know, it's amazing. It's reflected glory. You actually aren't seeing the sun. When you look at that, you're not looking at the sun, are you? Or are you? Because if the sun wasn't shining on it, if it wasn't actually capturing those heat rays that are being sent out from the sun, you would not see the moon. So when you look at the moon, yes, you see the moon, but you're actually also seeing the reflected glory of the sun and uh, this has been uh, in the devotional life of the church of jesus christ for many years it's been clearly understood that this is what we are meant to be like that we are meant to be image bearers that we are meant to capture something of the sun's glory on our life something of the sun's love on our life something of the sun's grace upon our life. And then when we walk out into this dark world, and it's a dark world, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. 
It's going to get darker. I mean, it's amazing now. I mean, have you ever seen Bachelors in Paradise? I'll have an altar call for you right now. Is it? <laughs> I've only seen the ads. What is wrong with us? That we actually even make it entertainment? People being stupid, making bad mistakes, absolutely living a lifestyle that is counter to the teachings of the Bible. Crazy, isn't it? So our obligation is, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for those whom God foreknew, he chose. And he predestined them. Isn't that nice? If you're here today, you know Jesus Christ, your personal saviour, then God knew about you before the very foundation of the world and he chose you. I have no idea why. (laughs) You've got no idea why God chose me either. Surely he could have done better than him. (laughs) Don't look at your neighbour. Romans 8.29, those whom he foreknew, he chose. You're chosen, guys. You're handpicked by the living God. You're his pickings. Hallelujah. And he chose you for a destiny. You're not people of accident. You're people of providence. You are people with a destiny. And then he gives the headlines of that destiny. That destiny is this, that you would be conformed to the image of, of Jesus. Now, I want to be very, very brutal and honest with you this morning. There are times when I reflect Mike. I reflect the old Mike. But I hope there are also moments when I reflect the new creation. Because all the old things have passed away. Behold, everything's become new. And when someone comes at me in anger and I respond in forgiveness. Guess who my, who's, guess whose life I'm reflecting? I'm reflecting Jesus' glory, aren't I? When I'm reflecting peace, when someone brings their chaos, I'm reflecting Jesus. And this is all of our destiny. Every one of you have the privilege of showing God off to a dying and a dark world. 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 4 talks about as we come into God's contact, as we behold him presence to presence, face to face, God takes us from one level of glory to the next level of glory where there's freedom and there's liberty. God wants us to become better reflectors of his grace. When's the last time you had a good look in the mirror? stayed in one of those nice hotels in Karachi just before I got out and they had one of those magnifying glass mirrors. Have you ever looked in one of those things? Scary, man. I thought hair's meant to go inside your nose. <laughs> I thought hair was meant to grow on your head. I had this one coming out of my ear. must have been about a mile long. <laughs> Why didn't someone tell me? (laughs) We are meant to be reflecting God 
to a lost and dying world. Out there, it's very dark. Uh, people's lives are breaking down. Substance abuse, violence, uh, uh, you know, domestic violence. You read, the, you read the newspapers? You know, it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, some one of our cricketers has recently just been disgraced because of a WhatsApp game. That never used to happen. Not like that. So we have this calling upon our life to stand up and let Jesus shine. As we look to him, we reflect his glory. And then out comes there. So Jesus just simply asked the question um, when they brought him the little trap. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus said this. Whose image is on this coin? And the coin is, well, Caesar's. Well, give it to Caesar. But what he didn't say that his audience understood was, but we bear God's image. And so we should be giving ourselves to God fully, totally. You know, it's a journey. Some days we'll get it right. Some days we won't. But that's actually our mission in life, that people might see Jesus. You know, we could put up a nice gospel blimp, couldn't we? Let's, let's spend $20,000 and get a gas balloon and put it over Armadale saying, Jesus is Lord. Uh, uh, what, could, what else could we do? We could do an advertising campaign. We could, we, we, you know, hey, God's method is this, that you look at the sun and the sun enables you to turn around and look at the world and they see something of the sun. That's the method, that's the plan, that's our destiny in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you left us these little clues in the Bible. Lord, uh, one of those coins that we skipped right over, Lord, actually started a war because uh, a Greek general decided to call himself the son of God and he sacrificed a pig on the altar and, Lord, the Maccabean revolt started out a result of a coin. Lord, it just again brings us back to the scenes that it, it's a, there's this clash of kingdoms. One's based on power and currency and, and being able to do what we want. The other one's based upon joy, love, peace, the Holy Spirit, which there is no law. Help us, Lord, to be reflectors of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's uh, have our wonderful team up and we're going to celebrate... I'm going to run, glorious day. And if you uh, need prayer for any reason, I'd like to pray for you before you go, please. I think I've got something from God. Uh, if you need prayer for any reason, please, you're welcome to come out to the front. Otherwise, we have some, um, some wonderful pork available for you to eat. God bless you. Let's stand and sing this song in celebration to our God and be reflectors of his joy, his peace, all the good things that God gives.